Would you turn in your Bibles now to Matthew's Gospel, the 12th chapter. Uh, tonight we're looking at verses 38 to 42 as sort of a close uh, to our study of the book of Jonah. Um, this is not, of course, the book of Jonah. It is the Gospel according to Matthew. But in this uh, passage, Matthew 12, verses 38 to 42, Jesus references the life and ministry of Jonah in his encounter with and uh, response to the Pharisees who had been asking him to do a sign. We read Matthew 12, 38-42. In this passage, Jesus says, I will give you a sign. The only sign that I will give you is that of the prophet Jonah and uh, his life and ministry. So here now the reading of God's Word, Matthew 12, 38-42. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign. And yet no sign will be given to it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, in the belly of the sea monster, So will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray now that you would work in our hearts again by your Holy Spirit. We pray that the message of your word, as it sets before us, the great hope of the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, would settle down deep into our hearts, and that we would be changed by it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are often presented from time to time with an image of something that may help us to understand the real thing uh, that it represents or to which it points. And to some degree or another, this is the function of pictures or catalogs. If we're going to buy something, uh, we might look in a catalog and see a picture of it and we get some kind of idea of what it's like and maybe what its dimensions are. And now with the Internet, we can even look at uh, multiple pictures of it from different angles and It represents to us something of the thing that we're looking at, helps us decide whether we want that, what the features are. And the image that you look at, though, even though it may be helpful, is still only a faint reflection of the real thing that you are considering. But you do learn some things about it, nevertheless. The image is then in some way what we might call a type of the real thing. This is sometimes in the study of the Bible what's called typology, the study of types in the Bible. There are numerous of them. The type is the image. It is the reflection of the real thing. And the archetype, arch meaning first or chief, like the arch enemy is the chief enemy, And the word type from the Greek word tupas, which means to strike something and thus leave an impression on it. 
So if I were to take a hammer or a gavel and bang on this pulpit, it would leave little marks all over it. Those would be uh, types. They would be left from striking of the gavel on the wood. It leaves, the hammer leaves its impression upon the wood out of which the pulpit is made. So you can think of it in terms of like striking a gold coin with the image of some famous person. The image on the coin is the type, and the person in reality is the archetype. The image on the coin is a resemblance, but a faint resemblance. It can't be confused with the reality which it represents. The type and the archetype. Now, in that way, Jonah is spoken of as sort of a type or an image or a faint reflection of Jesus. The archetype, the real thing that is reflected in the life and ministry of Jonah. And there are many of those in the Old Testament. That's why we can preach the gospel from the Old Testament. That's why the Apostle Paul could stand in the synagogues of Asia Minor with nothing but the Old Testament scriptures and preach the gospel about the Lord Jesus Christ, the becoming Messiah. He could take the book of Leviticus. And there, in all those types and symbols, preach about the need for a Savior and a sacrifice and the atoning blood of the sacrifice, the wrath of God appeased there at the altar of burnt offering in front of the tabernacle, the smoke going up, a sweet savor in the nostrils of God, appeasing the wrath of God, propitiating, removing the wrath of God. The gospel could be preached from these types. But we are told in Romans 5, verse 14, that Adam was also a type. He was the first Adam. Jesus is the last Adam. Uh, the first Adam was a type of the real Adam, who is the fullness of man and God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5, verse 14 says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So Jesus himself, in Matthew 12, states that Jonah is a sign. No sign shall be given to this generation but that of Jonah. Jonah, who has a death and a burial and a resurrection of his own, is a faint reflection of the real prophet to come, by whose death, burial, and resurrection, salvation is rendered to us. He is a sign pointing to something greater than himself, and thus he is a type, a faint reflection of Jesus and his ministry. Now we can think about this in several ways. Hugh Martin, the 19th century Scottish commentator, makes the following statement. Our Lord invites a comparison discovers a resemblance, institutes an analogy between the marvelous dealings of God with the prophet Jonah and his own burial and resurrection. The type will illustrate the antitype. You think about that in several ways. One, in both cases, Jonah and the Lord Jesus, there is a death and also a resurrection. Jonah, on the one hand, is resurrected only to die another death, Jonah did die a second time, 
And Jesus is resurrected never to die again. He is the greater. And he is resurrected and also ascended. In both cases, the death and burial are judicial sentences. In Jonah's case, the sentence is for his own sins because of his own rebellion. And in the case of Jesus, the sentence is for our sins and for our rebellion. The burial and resurrection of Jonah constituted the gate by which the word of God passed forth from the Jewish nation to the Gentile city of Nineveh. And of course, the burial and resurrection of Jesus is the gate through which the word of God passed from the Jews to not just one Gentile nation, but to all the nations of the earth. Thus, in every case, Jonah only faintly reflects something of the greater glory of Jesus, who is the prophet of Israel to come. So we can think of Jonah as a type in several ways. We can also think of Jonah as an illustration of the prophetic ministry of Jesus, the archetype to come. Jesus is the greater prophet. Jonah was a prophet, but Jesus is the greater prophet to come. Jesus is greater than Jonah in his person, in his office, in his performance, in his authority, and in his power. He is greater than Jonah in the greatness of his person. Jonah had all kinds of flaws, the flaws of fallen human beings. And so he heard the voice of God call him, but he didn't like what he heard. And he was reluctant to uh, obey the voice of God. In fact, we know he ran the other way as fast as he could. Jesus, on the other hand, was pure and righteous and without conflicting motives. My will is to do the work of him who sent me. Jesus is greater in office than Jonah. Yes, Jonah was a prophet. He held the prophetic office. But Jesus is the true prophet to come. Of which every prophet in the Old Testament was a faint reflection and to whom they were pointing. In Genesis 18, verse 15, Moses tells the Israelites, The Lord your God will raise up for you, that is Deuteronomy 18, 15, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen. You shall listen to him. And from that day forward, Israelites looked for that prophet who would be like Moses, with whom God spoke face to face, who would lead God's people in the way that Moses did and shepherd the people of Israel. But every prophet that came along the way, however great they were, Daniel, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and Isaiah, Micah, Nahum, and Habakkuk, and on they went, and Jonah as well, were but a type, a faint reflection of the prophet to come. Flawed, sinful men, as Jonah was. But Jesus is the prophet who not only reveals to us the will of God for our salvation, but who is at the same time also a priest who offers up himself for our salvation to secure our freedom from 
bondage to sin and death. He is the prophet who himself brings to pass that which he prophesies. That no prophet could do, but Jesus did. Jesus is greater than Jonah in that he has the power to actually discharge the duties of his office. Jonah could only preach repentance, but he could not give the grace of repentance. But Jesus had the authority to call men to repent and the power to grant them the grace of repentance that they might turn away from their sins. Jesus is the greater missionary prophet who carries the gospel to the very ends of the earth. Jonah was the reluctant, even the rebellious prophet who did not want the people of Nineveh to repent. But Jesus is the compassionate prophet who sends the Holy Spirit to awake us and give us a new heart that turns away from sin and turns to Him in faith. Thus, Jesus is the greater prophet. And we can also think of Jonah as the sign, the signpost pointing forward down to the corridors of history, pointing into the future as we, as he looked at it, to the very resurrection of Jesus himself. There would come one in the future who would, like Jonah, undergo this judgment and this burial and this resurrection. Matthew 12, Jesus heals a demon-possessed man who was blind and also mute. But, of course, the Pharisees, being hard of heart and rebellious and unbelieving, even in the face of such miraculous displays of power, would not believe it. So they say, yes, you heal the man. We know that's true. We won't deny the reality that he now speaks, that he now hears. But you did it by the power of Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. Of course, if you know the story, Jesus argues with them, and he argues that that would be absurd, for then Satan would be casting out Satan. And undermining his own kingdom. Even Satan wouldn't do something that stupid. And Jesus says to them that those who blaspheme the work of the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven. And the Pharisees had um, set out before them for the, their own eyes to see repeated and powerfully demonstrated before them the work of God by the Lord Jesus Christ. But even in the face of those miraculous demonstrations of power, they would not believe. Their hearts were hardened by unbelief. And then they had the audacity to say, to this one who had just done these miraculous, glorious things, show us a sign. What? Open your eyes. Sign after sign after sign has been shown you. 
Verse 41, Jesus says to them, The men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The true prophet, Jesus addresses the Pharisees repeatedly, but they don't believe. Jonah was the minor prophet, the shadow prophet, and yet the people of Nineveh repented. Jesus was the sinless prophet filled with wisdom while Jonah was rebellious and foolish. Jesus preached the message of repentance and mercy while Jonah preached only the warning of judgment and then hoped that they would not heed it. Jesus authenticated and proved his authority and message by great displays of miraculous power and Jonah, as far as we know, never worked one miracle at all. And yet the people of Nineveh repented at the preaching of Jonah and believed, while the Pharisees, with greater light and greater displays of power, hardened their hearts. And by comparing the Pharisees to the Ninevites, Jesus seeks to expose their hardness of heart and their unwillingness to repent. The Ninevites had a lesser prophet with a reluctant ministry, yet they repented. They will stand up and condemn the Pharisees in the day of judgment for their unbelief. And something greater, Jesus says, something greater than Jonah is standing right before them. They had seen those miraculous displays of power with their physical eyes, yet they had the audacity to ask him to show them a sign. And so Jesus says, okay, one sign shall be shown you. Just one. One sign for these men, and that is the sign of Jonah the prophet. By the way, it's worth noting that Jesus believed that Jonah was a real man who was swallowed by a real great fish, what is called in this Matthew's version a sea monster. Jesus affirms the historicity of this story about Jonah. It was not just some fictitious mythological story that was made up. And Jesus is saying that the only sign he will give them is that of his death his burial, and his resurrection. Verse 40. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Uh, by the way, some have contended that Jesus was not truly in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights since he was crucified on Friday and was raised on Sunday. I offer simply this explanation. You can read it in more more thoroughly, if you'd like to, in William Hendricks' commentary on this passage. But this is what he says. While Jesus died indeed on Friday and rose again on Sunday morning, the solution is to be found in the fact that, as already proved, the Jews counted part of the day as equal to a day and part of the night as amounting to a night. 
As far as the days are concerned, this would be satisfactory explanation. So it's a figure of speech, three days, three nights. Jonah's experience then was a sign. It was a type, a foreshadowing of a greater prophet yet to come, who, like Jonah, would also undergo a death, a burial, and a resurrection. Jonah was drowned in the sea. Jesus was nailed to a cross. Jonah was buried in the depths of the sea, being swallowed by a great fish. Jesus was buried in a tomb. Jonah was spit upon the shore, given his life back and recommissioned. Jesus was raised up triumphantly and victoriously from the dead. Triumph over sin and death and hell. It is often the case that we may encounter people in our day as well. They will say to us, show us a sign. How can we know the truth or the error of the Christian faith? How can we know the truth or the error of the gospel of Jesus? Show us a sign. But the sign has already been given. It is the sign of Jonah. It is the sign of the resurrection. To which we every Lord's Day attest. For it was on the first day of the week, Sunday, that Jesus was raised from the dead. And the entire New Testament is giving eyewitness testimony that He is risen. He is risen indeed. At the end of John's Gospel, the 20th chapter, the 29th verse, we read these words spoken by Jesus to Thomas. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they who did not see and yet believed. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the testimony of the prophet Jonah, that there would come a prophet who would be raised from the dead. We thank you for the Lord Jesus, who is our risen Savior. We pray, O Lord, you would keep us back from hard and unbelieving hearts, we ask in his name. Amen.